Welcome to Page Break. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Madison. Madison, it is lovely to see you and talk to you. Yes, it is. It's been a minute. It's been a minute, and like the last time it was a little different because like we had a guest. So it was just like, it was like, it was like, you ever have that thing when you're like entertaining at your house where it's like you have people <laughs> coming in where you like, you have to be on your best behavior uh-huh. and like you, you're not really like, you're not really like not that I would say or think anything like negative about Lucia but it's like you have to like be on like your game mm-hmm. and like be like the consummate host and like guide people toward like these are the hors d'oeuvres these are the topics these are like yeah. you know here's the bathroom with a candle burning that my mother would always do uh-huh. that's definitely the vibe of like hosting a guest on a podcast which I actually have never done before so it was an interesting experience yeah we had to present to her our proverbial tapas Gesundheit, what I said we had to present to her our proverbial tapas. Oh, tapas. I, th- I swear to God, I thought you said like something in Latin. Like the proverbial tapas, which proverbial in ancient... Proverbial tapas. <laughs> proverbial I'm pretty tupas. sure I'm the first person to ever say those two <laughs> words together, but you get the gist. Proverbial tapas definitely is a band name somewhere. I think oh. so. <laughs> or at least a fun t-shirt. It, oh, definitely. Just It's just like, yeah. What is it about like random phrases, like random adjectives with nouns that just create band <laughs> names? Because band names just kind of pop out of the ether. Like, like, but I guess there's so many bands that like at some point you have to like just pick a thing and like commit to whatever stupid name it is. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? Oh God. So st- story from early me and Kristen um, relationship. Uh, we just started dating and I went and helped her with like homework one time and she was doing this coding class. And during the coding class, she had to do like this weird graphic thing. And she said, this thing is called Neutral Milk Hotel. Oh my God. And she yeah. showed it to me and I'm like, dude, this is so cool. This art is amazing. And also, I love that name, Neutral Milk Hotel. That's so artistic and interesting. How'd you come up with that? And she looked at me like I was a fucking idiot. And she's like, That's a, that is a band? <laughs> that is not. That's the most Kristen story I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah, that that tracks. Yeah, the Kristen's Kristen's um, musical tastes are wonderful and eclectic. Um, well, that reminds me too of the band Soccer Mommy. That's an awesome name. Van, the, the band is called Soccer Mommy. Yeah, I bet Kristen knows them. I'm sure she does. I have no doubt that she does. Every time, like, there's just a random like. Every time I get in her car, there's a new band playing, or there's a new like sad girl music playing like uh-huh. which in fairness don't get me wrong i love some sad girl music we've been listening to a lot of phoebe bridgers like it's great do not get me wrong so sad <laughs> the saddest part of, the, of, of phoebe bridgers for us is that we have an al- her like vinyl for her last album and it skips during the middle of my favorite song on the album no every, every time it's so freaking frustrating um so speaking of antiquated technologies um there's a lot of it in the movie we're talking about this week yes to the point where i i mean i haven't seen it in a very long time so right. whenever i saw it i was like wow this looks just like the ride at disney world <laughs> like it literally looks just like the ride at what is it universal universal yeah yeah i was like wow they just took the movie set and just went here it is they did and also i've got like i can i've got a whole thing about the about the ride at universal as well because it is tied to the movie in a weird way so um but getting right into it the movie we're talking about this week is steven spielberg's et the extraterrestrial we will witness the arrival the search the desertion 
the fear, the discovery, the friendship. I'm keeping him. Written by Melissa Matheson, who was married to Harrison Ford and unfortunately did pass in 2015. I did not know that. Married to Harrison Ford to the point to where in the script for this movie and as shot, there's a scene where Elliot goes to the principal's office and the principal is played by Harrison Ford. Oh. There's a whole scene in the script for this. Just jumping right in. There's a whole scene in the script. So basically you have that scene where E.T. gets drunk. Oh my God, I, I love it. totally forgot that E.T. got shit-faced in this movie, which is um, hilarious. <laughs> I, one of my notes is I relate to drunk E.T. so hard. <laughs> I was not I was not expecting to watch E.T. as an adult and like ha, like come to that realization but like like you said like when you're a kid you don't even realize you don't realize drunk. he's drunk you think he's so drinking Pepsi watching, or something so when I'm watching it as an adult I'm like wow I relate to this so hard I remember that being like the scene in the movie that I was always the most confused at when I was a kid because I'm like mm-hmm. why is Elliot burping and freeing frogs and kissing that girl I don't understand <laughs> anything that's going on right now it was too cerebral for five-year-old Jeremy. I mean, to um, be fair, it was a little cerebral for me right now because I was like, <laughs> it took me a minute because, I mean, like I said, I haven't seen him since I was a kid. So I was like, yeah. wait, like I get what's happening, but I right. don't remember it. And like, what the hell? It is It is interesting because it's like this. And, and here's the interesting thing when we're talking about like this script versus this movie, right? The script is amazing. I just want to say that for the record. There's a lot of shit that you don't have in the movie. There's a lot of explainers. There's a lot of extraneous scenes. There's a lot of small character moments that are only in the film. But mm-hmm. it explains things in a way that you don't have to do when you have a man called Steven Spielberg and a man named John Williams behind other things helping orchestrate events. Mm-hmm. It's like they, it's like they specifically – because this was a this was a – project that Spielberg had been trying to do for a while and originally it was going to be about an alien invasion like a negative angry alien invasion um but then they decided to go with this this route and the original title for the movie was a boy's life like the magazine like but I don't know why I don't know why that was the title it just reminds me of an ant's life (laughs) (laughs) wait ant's life what's an ant's life bug's life bug's life oh there was ants and there was ants Yes, just like just like that same year, there were multiple asteroid hitting the Earth, mo- Earth movies. There were two yes. ants movies that year. One of them is a Pixar classic. Watch, oh God, no! You know what? Both of them star problematic people because Ants stars Woody Allen, and A Bug's Life oh. stars Kevin Spacey. So I did not know that. Bad year for ants movies. In retrospect, also ants is just weird. Um, but, I don't remember hardly any of it. I, oh, well, Clearly, like, it, I got the name wrong. Well, everybody forgot about Ants. It's fine. Bugs <laughs> Life won the culture war, which, as it should, it's a much better movie. Um, but So when it comes to E.T., it became this kind of basically a boy and his dog story, which is kind yeah. of what it is. It's almost like Air Bud. Like, it's very, you found a stray, and you brought it home. Mm-hmm. and you're going to teach it how to play basketball. But it's just with an alien. Who is causing havoc on your end? I'm sorry, it's Pim, but he's in the hallway. I hear <laughs> I can't it. Tell what is Pim doing? I don't know. He's wrecking shit. Every time I go to go in there, I think he's done. 
Pim, you are just Pim is okay, just like walking a, back. <laughs> Pim is a terror when we record. Does he do this when we're not recording? Yeah, he's a terror. Okay. <laughs> it's good to know. Okay, he's out of the hallway. Okay, great. Um but anyway, so when it comes to E.T. the movie, like it's so interesting how the characterization of events are so simplified in the film truly like if you read the script it is hyper detailed like the first like five or six pages is just the aliens landing them looking at the plants et kind of wandering off the people showing up key the the guy the main guy's name in the script is just keys because he has the keys on his belt and it's like shaking so it's a much it's a much more like auditory deal in the script but in the movie he always like that's kind of how he categorize him it's also interesting how the way the movie presents out every adult, and the, movie, and the script does this too, I mean, by anthropomorphizing the main quote-unquote bad guy as keys, you never see their faces until, yeah. like, they get into the house. Like, even, like, yeah. can we also talk, can we talk about how, like, just jumping ahead, can we talk about why these scientists decide to break into their home dressed like Apollo astronauts? Yeah, I don't understand that. Does that make either. any sense at all? <laughs> no, I mean, I guess that was an easy way to make it feel spacey. I get like it's a weird vi- image. Don't get me wrong; like it's striking, but it's also just like, wouldn't a hazmat suit like made a I little like, more sense? Yeah, I feel like someone was gonna do that, but then they were like, you know what would make it more visually appealing? <laughs> Space suits. Like they have the budget to just put everyone in space suits. Yeah, they do whatever they want. Hazmat suits. That or they made their space suits. I mean, they made their hazmat suits look spacey, which I guess is probably more accurate. In the script, they are they are they are called straight up Apollo spacesuits. Like they are classified as such, and I'm like, I don't understand why this is a thing. Um, Also, I love watching this movie and realizing that like. The entire like ninety eight percent of the aesthetic was stolen for Stranger Things. Like, yeah, like between between the D and D, the bikes. Um, there's an entire sequence in the first season of Stranger Things that is basically Elliot leading ET into his house uh, with Reese's. Um, there's an interesting thing they do with that actually because in the script, Elliot in the movie the way Elliot kind of gets ET into the house is he has the Reese's pieces, which you know. Do you know the story about Reese's Pieces and M&M's in this movie? No. Oh, God. Okay. Welcome to Product Placement Corner. So, in the script, they're written as Mm M&M's. But when Spielberg went to M&M's and said, hey, guys, we want to prominently feature your candy in our movie, they looked at E.T. and thought he would scare children. So kids think of M&M's in that and put it together. Oh, my God. M&M's passed. But Reese's Pieces was like, yes, please. Nobody's buying our shit, so please take us. And Reese's Pieces went through the roof. They exploded after this movie. I didn't even know they were out at that time. Yeah, no, they just come out. I'm pretty sure they just came out, and they weren't selling. Like, they were just garbage. Nobody cared about them. But, like, this movie made Reese's Pieces a thing. I didn't even realize that's what it was. I thought it was just, like, Skittles or M&M's. That's the crazy thing. It doesn't actually matter. But like, no. Eminem's could have just done that and been like, yeah, we're the E.T. candy. But nobody really thought this movie would do anything, which is insane to me. Because yeah. this, is, this is Spielberg in 1982. 
The man, like, is just did Raiders of the Lost Ark. Why on God's green earth are you not going to think this thing's going to be huge? I don't understand. I did. I do remember hearing the history of it, talking about that, how, like, mm-hmm. it, you know, it was expected to be garbage. I mean, I get, I mean, I mean, if you look at E.T. as a character, he's kind of weird. Or, yeah. or they, they technically, because actually in the script it's classified, they don't have gender. They're just kind of who they are. Even though, even though Elliot is real quick to be like, he's a boy, definitely a boy. Very boy-like of him. Yeah, no, I noticed that. <laughs> it's very, it was very interesting. And um, the repulsion of the dress and the hat and the wig, which, which is, is one- so funny. And I think that, like, E.T. is so freaking cute. He's adorable. He's got his little hat and he's got his little, like, little, like long hair. He's got a skirt. Um, interestingly, too, because in the script, uh, uh, Gertie dressed E.T. up as the, her, in her cowboy outfit, her cowgirl outfit. Oh. Not in the whole like dress and drag getup, um, which the drag getup is so much more fun. Um, you get you get um, what's his face Henry Thomas just going like, gross, like the whole you know the whole thing of being you know eleven or just eight. I don't know. This kid's freaking young. I don't know how old this. I don't know how old Henry Thomas is supposed to be in this movie. Um, anyway, back to my point. Before I started talking about Reese's pieces. So in the movie, the way Elliot leads E.T. back is basically like with Reese's pieces, and then. E.T. brings the Reese's back to him and like kind of his way of bringing him back into the house. In the script, it's much different. E.T. straight up breaks into their home. Like E.T. like straight up shows up at, e- at Elliot's bedside. And it's just like, it's a much, it's a much more intelligent sequence for E.T. Like E.T. is treated as much yeah. more of a cognizant person basically with but- agency. That they know what they're doing, yeah. Kind of, yeah. As opposed to the movie where E.T. is just played as basically a dog that's also really, really intelligent, Um, which is interesting. And there's a lot more in the script that, like, E.T. does. Like, there's a lot of things in the movie they're able to do with just puppets. And, like, uh, I think at one point there's, especially when E.T. is, like, in the kitchen, it's a child that doesn't have feet, like, legs, but he walks on his hands. So, like, they're able to, like, kind of do the thing, and he, like, walks that way. But I noticed a few scenes in the movie that are amazing where it's, like, I, and I pause it. I do this thing when me and Kristen watch movies, and I'm sure it's very frustrating. Where, like, if I see something cool, like, there's one amazing dolly zoom shot that, like, dolly zooms in on keys and, like, the the, 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 the vista of the town, and then dolly zooms back out again. Like, uh-huh. gnarly. It's so cool. But this one, it's, like, all the kids are in the bedroom, and E.T.'s, like, behind this little, like, desk. And Elliot kind of walks around and looks out a window. And we, we, we pan with him. And then we see E.T.'s hand grab his shoulder. And I was just like... Yeah, that oh, one was awesome. I love that. Because that's definitely just a, a, a dude on the side with a weird E.T. hand going, like... <laughs> so much of that shit um, that I just love. Yeah, um, but that... I mean... To speak to that, I mean, from the very first moment of the movie, like, the way they shot it was just so, it was arguably just as important, if not more, than anything else. Yes. Like, I mean, the way that they used lighting and fog and all the haziness and, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, all of that speaks to, you know, forming the plot almost, because yeah you set up the tension but the lighting kind of points you in the right direction and it right. keeps like following et himself so i don't know right. i really like it it's so smart to start the movie 
first off, the first thing we see, there's a spaceship. Aliens mm-hmm. exist. We're not even spaceship. mincing. We're, we're not even, it, it is a cute spaceship. Yeah. It's described in the script as basically like a Christmas tree bauble, like as huh. an ornament. Yeah. Which, That's which, kind of accurate. It kind of looks like that, yeah. Well, um, I like it because it's not the like metal modern spinning orb. Like it's right, it's also not, it's not a saucer. Like it's like, <laughs> right. it, it's pretty. It's its own kind of thing. Um, but like in the script, like page one, spaceship. Like, okay, we're here. We see aliens. We know that they're doing something. We don't know what. But it's very clear that like, this is the world we're operating in. It establishes like, these are aliens, they're here, humans don't know about aliens, and then they leave one behind. But you're, you're absolutely right. Even in the script, they have written in, E.T.'s heart glows red, and we see that in the darkness, but we don't see him. We don't see really his, wow. dem- we don't really see his, like, what he actually is, but we see the shape of him and his cohorts. Um, in, the, in the script, and in the movie, the first time we actually see E.T. full on is when Elliot is walking through what what I was wondering is why there's a cornfield in the middle of like mid-range California. Uh, yeah. In the script, it's a garden where she's growing corn, which I guess people have corn gardens. I mean, it fits the whole extraterrestrial film idea of like, yeah, you know, close it's, it's encounters or whatever. It's yeah, it certainly does. And but that is still the first time that we ever see ET full on. And mm-hmm. in the script, he's, re- he's written as much more threatening to Elliot, almost as a defense mechanism. Like his, like his teeth are bare and he's a little scarier and Elliot runs away. In the movie, I don't think we ever get the vibe that E.T.'s dangerous. He's just as scared as everybody else. And it's just kind of like, a, we're both scared. We're both going to run away in some form or fashion. But Spielberg does that amazing thing. that's like basically what he learned from Jaws which is like you can show a lot of shit happening if you just show things moving. If you show things moving after the fact, like when that happens, E.T. runs away and he runs up and he bangs the gate and the gate shuts and you see like the swing swinging and all that stuff. Um, right. It all works really, really well. Um, and frankly, is, is more effective. Like if you tried to make E.T. today, he would be a, he would probably be voiced by Seth Rogen and like, you know, be <laughs> CGI. And like it'd be a whole thing. And it wouldn't work as well. There's something very... Um, pleasant and comforting about the limitations of trying to make a movie with something like this character E.T. and also writing around that. Well, I mean, it really does feel more like an experience than a movie. Like it especially does. the especially the beginning. Like you don't even really have any dialogue. You don't. Yeah. I mean, you're literally just piecing it together yourself. And uh, I. <laughs> I wrote this note that was like, it makes you, makes everyone think about that. Sorry, Pim is just hyper and I don't know why. I have my own E.T. here. That's Yeah, but say Pim, Pim really wants attention. The scene where E.T. gets drunk and causes a bunch of mis- mischief. Uh-huh. That's yes, my cat yes. right now. Pim, Pim drinks straight cores. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, the beginning of the movie reminds me of, um, like, that time when you're little and you're afraid that your mom leaves you in the grocery store. Yes. Like, when you can't find your mom and you're, like, all alone in this weird grown-up world. A hundred percent. That's how it makes you feel. (laughs) It really does. Like, because, like, he's so treated as, like, he's treated like a child. Mm -hmm. Like a child who's lost. That's why, like, the last shot of that scene is so good. Because, like, we see him and then we see this giant swath of humanity. 
like right in front of him. In the script, it's a lot more dramatic. In the script, like he goes down to a road and like is carrying a plant and the plant gets run over by a car and like he has to run back and it's a lot more dramatic, totally unnecessary. Um, In any way, totally unneeded. You just need him to be basically abandoned. Like the idea of just like he was left behind and there are, we know there are people chasing him. We know that he can't get found by them. And then we immediately cut into Elliot and his friend and his brother and his friends and all. And that is weirdly broken, very Spielbergian family. That's like coping mm-hmm. with the fact that their father isn't there. Like that is yeah. established like right, right on that. This is a broken family. The, the family itself is okay, but like they are a piece of them is broken off. I know I'm not supposed to feel this way, but the older brother makes me want to punch him in the face. <laughs> Please like, continue. Why? I mean, by the end of the movie, sure, he grows on you, but, like, he's such a, like, the casting was perfect because I just wanted to, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kick him in the balls or something. Right, when he's jumping, when he's when he's dancing around the house in his football uniform, like, singing, what is it? It was a, oh, an Elvis Costello song that, like, I was, I, could, I didn't know the song, He's like kind of like bop boop 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 to like, but I'm like, yeah. this doesn't sound like these lyrics would go with any kind of music. Like it was just the way he was singing it was so bad and so just like grating to any kind yeah. of idea that I have. I'm just like I don't know what song this is, but hate it's it. just like his face and his attitude. By the time he sees it, by the time he catches him with ET, I'm just right. like, man, you are an older brother. <laughs> yeah, right. Seriously, like it's just all his friends are shits. Like all three of those fucking like just dorks. Um, that all think they're really cool. Um, uh, Drew Barrymore, however, is an angel. Drew Barrymore steals this movie almost. She She's is so sweet, so good. And like, Kristen asked me last night because we got to the the part where ET quote unquote dies, which I want to talk about in a minute. And she was like, "Wow, they got Drew Barrymore really to cry there." And I'm like, "Yeah, dude, they straight up told her she it was real." They like let Whoa, her believe really? that E.T. was real and that he was like hurt and dying and she started bawling. And they're like, No wonder Drew Barrymore was a drug addict. Dang. <laughs> yeah, when you think That's your alien traumatic. friend that you met as a child died and they filmed you crying. Yeah, no, it's horrible. Um, E.T. was real for her. No wonder. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. It, it all it all works. Um yeah, no, I just I Everything she does, like the whole scene where like like ET, like she's trying to point ET out to her mom. Mm-hmm. She keeps oh, missing gosh, her. Yes. <laughs> she's just, Is she like, just like he's right here. She doesn't say anything really. She's just like <laughs> watching it all happen. And it's like this like intricate dance. It's so good. Oh, um, it's so good. Um, but everyone says that I looked like Drew Barrymore whenever I was little. I believe that. I can see that. Uh, especially whenever like she gets older and she has more like the cheeks mm-hmm. yeah 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 yeah. um i definitely went through a phase where we looked similar <laughs> i can see the comparison it's there speaking of et's death can you tell me why et doesn't die i have no clue i have no i, I have no idea i mean it's either some kind of like doctor who regeneration thing Possible. or something the doctors did with that box like making him real cold or maybe they got to his family in time and they were able to save him because he was able to like heal um, right. Elliot because he was connected to him. Right. So I wonder if he's connected to his family at all. That's possible. Cause like that, that I think is the probably the best argument. 
Do they not it, talk about it in the script? They don't. They don't mention it specifically. All they we get in he's back to life. <laughs> all we get is so that entire scene. Okay, so that entire scene is worth discussing because, like, the way there's something. If you can say anything about Spielberg, Spielberg knows how to freaking block a scene. This dude. This guy could just have him like walk up in front of this little freezer thing of UTs in and like have him talk to him. No, 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 not Spielberg. Spielberg will have uh, keys lift the lid of this thing, which has a giant porthole in the middle of it. Have Elliot walk behind the porthole and look in through the porthole at ET, even though he could just walk around and just be right there. No, no, no. We're going to have him looking through a window because mm-hmm. that looks a lot cooler. And then just have the entire scene play out there. And he, Elliot says a line here that is the most heartbreaking. Like, there's a lot of great dialogue in this movie. There's a lot of iconic stuff in this movie. This line he says, it just broke me. And, like, Kristen was just like, God damn, that is brutal. The kid says, um, I'm going to believe in you all my life. Yeah. Like, God damn it. It really hits the essence of oh, man. this kind of fiction right because it's like it's, it's i do believe in fairies i do i Dude, do I love, oh i love that and like i totally <laughs> forgot about the, the peter pan connection and like like that mm-hmm. really is wait mad shut the fuck up you just connected that to me <laughs> god damn it i didn't even connect that i did not even connect the fact that she reads that part of peter pan to gertie and and oh wait a oh i have a new theory that might be real, might not be about why ET is alive at the end, and you just you just hit on it because they read the part of Peter Pan, which inherently made me question. I, I don't I don't I've read the book Peter Pan. I don't remember how they handle that part, whether they really do the clapping thing or not, or that's just in the play. But ET's in the closet listening to the mom read the book Peter Pan to Gertie, and they get to the part where like Tinkerbell's gonna die, she drank poison, and they have to clap, believe in fairies, and then. E.T.'s like fascinated by it. So then at the end, when Elliot says, I'm going to believe in you all my life, if there's any of E.T. still alive, maybe he believes in that and like that's what revived. Like you're correct on both counts. I just, they they don't specify which is real, but I never made that believe connection. So you know what I wonder? Because if he and Elliot are connected, even if they got disconnected, if they're connected and he like is near him and saying he believes in him, right? I wonder if like that small connection was enough to bring him back. Because they make such a big point of like Elliot is connected to ET when he gets sick, he gets sick. But when, yeah. but there's the point where like Elliot starts getting better mm-hmm. and ET is getting worse. Like that is right. just like another gut wrenching moment where you're just oh, like, oh, he's God. fine, but ET is. That scene scarred me as a kid. That's kind of all I remembered of E.T. was the beginning and that scene right there. That scene and then the scene of of E.T. being found in like a gutter with a raccoon. Like This is not a movie for kids. It's traumatizing for kids. It's traumatizing for adults. Like it's just like there's thank God this movie ends well because like good (laughs) God. If that if if you went to credits after like E.T. in a ditch. Credits. All right, well. You didn't go home, kids. <laughs> I mean, that would be the adult version. The adult version would definitely be more accurate of, like, <laughs> they found him, they killed him, they learned things, they swept it under the rug. <laughs> <laughs> they're, just, the they're, just in the, they're just in a screening room at university, like, um, 
So Steven, first off, love the movie, <laughs> love, love the energy. Um, the ending though, it's a little dour, don't you think? And Spielberg just like leaps and was like, that's reality. That's, mm-hmm. you, they would kill him. They would just, like, Steven, are you okay? Sounds like my brother if he were doing <laughs> this movie. <laughs> just like full all full on conspiracy, just anger, mm-hmm. just being like, it's a system, man, it's the government. They're gonna cut them up and they're gonna feed them little pieces and they're gonna throw in the river. Um okay, I also fast. wanna know how Elliot falls asleep so fast. I know this is jumping around. How does he fall asleep so fast? That is another thing. That's in the script. Like that's like written in, and I don't know. Just like magically falls asleep. It sounds well because that's during the scene where like the, they're like the I'm Tarzan, you're Jane scene where they're kind of like yeah. doing the thing back and forth, which is really cool. And I think it, the intention seems to be that just like ET may be tired, so Elliot's tired. Like yeah, especially in the script. In the script, it's very much like ET like just keels over and falls asleep. Like he just like is utterly exhausted. So I think that was just kind of a holdover. There's a bunch of things in this movie that I wonder whether or not on the day they were like, all right, we're going to cut some of this, cut some of this. Yeah. We have to keep like the bookends of the scene. Um, it works great. Like not, there's nothing here that really like is missing. Um, well, I think it works so well because of how they, I mean, like I said, the whole movie's great. I mean, it's Spielberg, but it's true. this scene stuck out the most because it was very like, they tapped into what was magical about the moment through like key things in the cinematography, like the light that was swinging. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was just so perfect. Like it was just like a little touch, but it just added to the atmosphere and like the, the staging, like, I mean, mm-hmm. across from each other and the light yeah. is on ET, but it's swinging and it's still right. kind of dark. Um, it kind of reminded me of like, the vibe that you get when you read like fantasy novels like yeah. like chronicles of narnia like you're uh-huh. you're just his bedroom is now a new world yeah like and everything in there is like manipulatable and like mm-hmm. it's it, you're absolutely right it's amazing how much of this movie is almost a silent film yeah like how much of it like could be played without any sound or dialogue and you get it oh, entirely it totally could be done and it works and so well that's kind of what I mean, like, by keep bringing up the lighting, like, not to sound like a film 101. No, and the dude, lighting I mean, was right. so cool. But, like, the fact that they rely on it so much to tell the story, like you said, like, it really could be a silent film and you would still get it. It's one of those fun things where it's, like, be, and, again, it's one of those, like, they don't make movies like this anymore. You would never make this movie today with that many shadows and those like weird, like specific light sources where you can hide the puppetry of ET. You would never do that. And in a movie, if you made that today, you would just be like, Oh, we're just going to just boop a doop. We're just gonna put them in there. And it makes it magical. Like you say, like it makes Mm -hmm. it mysterious and a little scary, but like more interesting than scary. Mm -hmm. And then you're on this journey kind of with them. You're like on this weird collision course, like for the end of the movie. Like you can probably assume that we're going to get, like they're going to come back and get E.T. And like the movie just also doesn't really stop. Like it kind of just keeps going. Like it really, it's, it really takes all the important parts of the movie, of the script and streamlines it brilliantly. There's one scene that in the moment when I was watching it, I'm like, this feels ad-libbed, but I wasn't sure. And then I read the script, and it, and it certainly was not in the script. 
is a scene when E.T. and not E.T. when Elliot and his brother are in the garage and they're like looking for shit for E.T. to 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 use. And then they sit and like have this conversation about like her dad's jacket or something like that. And Elliot's like, oh, remember we used to go to ball games and he buys popcorn and like all this stuff. It's a really nice moment, especially for Elliot, because a lot of this movie is about a surrogate, almost father figure mm-hmm. that comes when they are missing their own um, very overtly. And it's a really nice, simple scene where we kind of sit with Elliot and let him kind of be sad for a second. Because you don't see him be sad about his dad, really, uh, anywhere else in the movie. Um, we obviously have the moment where, like, she says his dad's in Mexico, uh, which which his mom does not like, uh, obviously. And can we also just talk about how how excited the mother is by their Halloween costumes and just how tickled she is when her little, like, leopard print onesie in her wand and i'm just it is it's a perplexing costume let's put it that she way it's definitely a 90s mother <laughs> yeah very much so i feel like she drank especially, some of those cores. yeah especially single mother <laughs> yes well that honestly that reminded me of a tweet that i saw today it was like yeah her, no michelle branch posted it on her instagram story and it was talking about how um people are just like what are parents supposed to do like uh when they go back to work just leave their home leave their kids at home all day and it was like that um side eye guy it was like parents <laughs> in the 90s like uh was that not supposed to happen it's so true dude she leaves gertie by herself to go to, to go pick up elliot i'm like that kid is like four yeah I would never have been left home alone. But I would have, she wouldn't, my mother wouldn't have gone outside to get the paper and left me alone at four. <laughs> and the argument would have been like, well, it's a different time. We used to, we used to actually ride our bikes down to the river and actually get on a boat, a shrimping vessel, and go shrimping for a few days. And as long as we got back by the time the street lamps came back on on the fifth day, our mamas didn't mind. Like, I swear yeah, like, to God. Just because it happened didn't mean it was okay. Just, just, I've got a lot to say about like like helicopter parenting of mm. '90s kids, or like late night, like late year '90s kids when latchkey kids weren't really a thing anymore, and everybody thought that like if you go outside in your sub in your in your suburbs, like you're gonna get shanked. Like, it's a whole thing. These kids, however, are freaking BMX bikers and can just like roll through all these like housing developments with ease. Um, my favorite, my favorite, like there's a phrase that I'm sure you've heard where it's like put out like hanging a lantern on something where you're like, you're making a point of showing it. Cause you know, it's mm-hmm. going to be important. My favorite version of that in some movies where it's like, we have a thing that we're going to show you. That's going to look weird. But if we show you that we're doing something to make it look weird, you're not going to worry about it. And my favorite part of that is this, in this movie where right after they steal the van with ET and they're going, they're trying to get to the get to their bikes and the three friends are there and they're following them. Three from, there's this, this montage of these three friends all putting on their like respective headgear or like a mask or something like that. That's like really like it's like a weird like 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 strapping things on montage, which is odd. Until you realize why it's there. It's not just because it kind of looks cool. Every one of those guys is now a stuntman on a bike, and those <laughs> are hiding who they, those are hiding their that they're adults. Like it's like that's so funny. Kids got the giant like thing cans on his head and his hat, and the other guy's got like sunglasses. All that side who they are. If you watch later on, like Elliot and his brother are both wearing hoods, so you can't tell who they are. 
as they're like BMXing over all these damn things, like chasing out, like going around from the cops. Um, I love it. I love it so much. I love the, but again, that's one of those, I love that they had to do that because they couldn't just CG on somebody's head. They had to like, all right, we got to fake this somehow. How are we going to fake this? All right, let's get clever. And it, it, honestly changes the the pacing of movies when you have to solve problems like that narrative yeah. you have to show something to make something make sense as opposed to now you would just like head replace a kid onto a bike or you would just like cg the kid riding the bike it'd be an entirely yeah. different thing um let me see oh okay we need to talk about the gun walkie-talkie controversy do you know about this gun walkie-talkie controversy yes so, the movie you watched, I am sure, because I'm pretty sure you rented it on Amazon. Yes. That's one I that's one I watched. The fact that I don't own this on Blu-ray is ridiculous. I used um, to. It's not on Blu-ray, but I used to own it. But. I don't know. I don't know why. This is also okay. Side side thing. This was a movie I didn't watch a lot as a kid for some reason. Oh, me either. I didn't like it. I don't know why. I had the VHS. I just never watched it. Yeah. I, I think I watched it once. Yeah, like I definitely did. Like I definitely saw it because I was aware of it, but I just didn't. I never had the interest in rewatching it. I'm not sure why. Um, but no. So when the movie came out, so you have that whole end sequence, like we're talking about, where like the kids are on the bikes, they're chasing the cops, are chasing them, and they're like, "We made it, we made it!" And then like everybody just like explodes onto them from like out of nowhere, like ever all the adults just jumped out of a portal or something, and they're just like, "Ha we're here!" And they're just riding their bikes, riding their bikes. The co- there's cops at the end of the end of the street, and those cops have shotguns. And the yes. movie very clearly shows they have shotguns. And like, what are you gonna do? Shoot these children? Um, all right. I mean, twenty twenty, that would have totally happened. Oh, a hundred percent. There's a whole sub conversation about policing in this movie, but in nineteen eighty two, it's a little, it's a little much. Um, it's a little over exaggeration. But that being said. So, and they take off and, you know, everything's cool. And then John Williams and all that jazz. So, here's the thing. In the late 90s, early 2000s, digital fixes in movies had started to become a thing. The special editions of Star Wars had come out recently where Spielberg, not Spielberg, Lucas, like, jacked up Star Wars. Like, yeah, he fixed a few bad green screens, but he also added in a bunch of CG characters that weren't necessary. And Spielberg was like, I want to get in on some of that action. So Spielberg, who apparently was always concerned that why were these people having guns at these kids, CG'd out the guns, gave these people walkie-talkies instead. No way. And released the movie on DVD that way in like 2002 for the 20th anniversary. Well, good for him. I don't know if I agree with that. Because Uh. it's, it's, it's like... Because here's the thing, he ended up backtracking on it. Like, 10 years later, he was like, nah, let's show the guns. That's fine. Because it's like, it's an odd thing. I don't know. My opinion on that... I don't think it's truthful, but... The, the guns or the walkie-talkies? The, the walkie-talkies. Right, it's a little... It also it downgrades the danger of the moment. It kind of... Well, if we're being honest, they would have, like, SWAT teams and FBI and... Oh, I, w- I want to see the special edition where the kids fly off in their bikes and a helicopter chases them. Right? Like, I oh. want to see that movie. <laughs> it's hard for me to say what would have happened because it's the 80s, but it's true. my 2020 looking back is not surprised. 
Right. No. I mean, it makes, I mean, like it's not the weirdest thing, but yeah, like I'm just, I am of a mind that you don't mess with movies after they've been made. You let them, you let them be as they were. Um, because you know, I can't think of one time that going back and changing something in a movie has actually benefited the movie. It's always like a director's like weird anxieties, like coming out in film and it just doesn't, (laughs) <laughs> do anything good um it's very odd but can i say one more thing you can say whatever you want that's very random keep saying random things i love it and not related sometimes <laughs> sometimes elliot looks like winona Ryder. he does he looks right? like baby winona he absolutely does like they could have been brother or sister like that could have been her kid that would have been amazing, actually. Like, I'm not going to lie. When I first saw Elliot's face, like, across the table yeah. where they're playing the game, I was like, why Nona? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> child size, why Nona? <laughs> I guess it would. Yeah, I mean, oh, my God. I, I yeah. mean, when he turns to the side and, like, moves around some, like, no, he doesn't look like him. But like when he talks like, and like Ow. does things, no, obviously he's not Winona Ryder. But, but if he's just straight faced and like looking at the camera, like he kind of looks like Winona Ryder. He does look a little bit like Winona Ryder. I really. I don't even know who the kid is, but he looks like Winona Ryder. The kid is. You've seen the kid as an adult, so you've seen, you've seen Hill House, right? No. You didn't watch the Haunting of Hill House. Maybe I don't know. Some more. <laughs> okay. Did you see? Uh, uh dr sleep no that's fine maybe you haven't seen anything that henry thomas has been in recently but they're all good and we need to talk about them i recognize his name but that's probably from at he's basically been a character actor in in hollywood for the majority of his adult career uh but recently he's been in a lot of projects from mike flanagan who's the director of the creator of Hill House and uh, the writer, director of Gerald's Game and Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Um, in Dr. Sleep, Henry Thomas is actually the guy who reenacts scenes of Nicholson playing Jack Torrance. I wanted and to watch that you movie, should. but I have not. Mads, I'm, I'm just telling you right now, I'm going to pick Dr. Sleep at some point. It's well, I remember when it, came, when it came out, like the trailers and everything, I remember saying, like, oh, I want to go see that, but it is an incredibly good Much movie. like every other movie, I do not end up going to see that. <laughs> the amount of movies that I'm like, oh, I got to see that in theaters, that I ultimately didn't see in theaters, like, is innumerable. Um, although I will say at this point in our collective universe, if movie theaters come back and they are back, I'm going to a movie every Sunday. <laughs> like, I'm just doing it. I'm, I've decided. I'm like, every Sunday morning, I'm going go to a, I'm gonna go to a matinee in the morning and just have that be my like you know fifteen dollar treat for the week because it's so weird. We're like, oh, movies are so expensive; they're really bad. We spend money on dumber shit than movies, like going to a movie a week. Like we can always like are just excuse ourselves out of like we'll we'll buy like dinner and we don't have to buy dinner. It's sixty bucks, but you don't buy a ten dollar movie ticket. Yeah, I think it. Uh, it's like okay, what are your priorities for the week? I'm upset it passed me is what I'm trying to say yeah. because I had the opportunity to see a bunch of movies like right before quarantine, mm-hmm. but I made the excuse cause like work that I didn't. I mean, um, probably good that you didn't. So many people got Corona then. Yeah. But I could have seen invisible man in theaters though. I wanted, I wanted that. I wanted that for me, 
but I, I didn't get that. I still need to see that. You need to see Invisible Man. You need to see Birds of Prey. Yeah, I do. Which is which I own actually. Let me know. I can I own it, so you can actually. Or actually, no, it's on HBO Max now. So yeah, you're good. You can watch that. I thing. don't have that because Roku sucks. Well, no, HBO sucks. I had HBO and have been paying for HBO for like three years now. Right. But because I have Roku, I'm like basically locked out of my account, so I just closed it. Really? Oh shit. Okay. Well. Yeah damn dude all right well yeah no trust me i got the roku problem too um so anyway all right let's see what else is there to say about et like it's um, almost so- I would say that his cries are very sad and scary at the same time and i want to know how they created it et's et's like like noises no like when he's scared and he like cries right it's really loud it's like a squeal yeah oh yeah 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 it's I wonder, scary, but it's sad. I wonder. Actually, I want to know that too, because I don't actually know. Like, it's very, it's very infantile. Like, it's very. Mm-hmm. It's like, very it sounds like a piglet. A little bit, yeah. Because he like squeals. But it really like it's kind of visceral. Like you kind of, I don't know. It kind of shakes you. It does. You, you have because what this movie does so well is that it makes you really want to take care of ET. Like ET yeah. looks weird and wiggity. He's got big eyes and he's got a little mouth and so it just looks kind of odd. The noises he makes, the way he moves, all those things give you every reason to, to think that he is safe and like a good, like a, a nice person slash thing, plant thing. What's funny, what's funny about that is I wrote down that he reminds me of my grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Does your grandpa really like M&Ms or Reese's Pieces? No, just like the way he moves, like his face and like the slowness. <laughs> just wobbling, kind of like, like how sweet. I just I don't know his face just, and just. Do you imagine your grandfather moves. like on his knees, just like kind of just like wobbling back and okay, forth? Okay, not so much the like body, <laughs> but like the mannerisms. I see. Yes, 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 yes. I understand. The old manness. Yes, the old manness, not the weeble wobble walk that no. ET has. Um, Okay, so we're wrapping up. We're close to the end now, but I have to tell you about the Universal Studios ET ride. Now, oh, yes, here's thing about this ride. It's a pretty good ride, as you can attest. It's cool. Like you're on a bike, you're flying. It's really cool. the 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 ride is actually based on a proposed sequel to ET. Oh yeah. Where you actually went to ET's home planet. Oh yeah, which was a made, that's like, why like, the inside of the thing looks so familiar, right? Because like so, apparent so in the movie ET, we presume that ET like oh god, so this has something to do with like ET's like little like finger touch like ouch like that whole thing. Number one, the blood on Elliot's hand when he cuts himself is some of the best movie blood I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's like viscerally good blood. Um, well, it looks watery. It does, but it, like, whereas the col- movie but the- blood looks thick. It's watery, and the colors right. Usually, yeah. they get one or the other right. Either either it's too pink or it's like water, too water or too thick. But they this was. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably why I didn't watch E.T. as a kid. That scene like always bothered me. But there's a lot that bothered me. So so in the movie, there's that scene where like the the mom, the mom like sees them in their Halloween costumes, and E.T.'s dressed as a ghost, and they think it's Gertie, and like. They're like taking a picture and he sees this knife sticking out of the brother's neck, the fake knife. And he's like, ouch, ouch. He wants to heal it because he thinks it's real, but it's fake, which is really cute. In the I did script, not even notice. 
Did you notice that? Oh no, it's adorable because like he's like trying to be quiet and be girty, but like he looks up and sees the the Ooh. dagger in his neck. He's just like, "Ouch! I want to help you." And he's like, "Just, just get away! Stop it!" In the script, it's even weirder. In the script, they are about to take the picture, and on the back in the background on the TV, there is a car accident that just happened, and a man's being rolled away on a stretcher. And ET watches this happen, reaches out his finger, and like glows. And the man on the stretcher gets up, healed. And he does like a little like dance, and he's just like, "I'm healed!" Oh my goodness! And then just all okay, so aliens are God now. It's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. I don't know. I why feel that's like even that's just script. having too much fun with an alien character, that they can just like heal humans. But he, I mean, he can heal. Yeah, but I feel like, well, one to me, that's already a stretch, and two, <laughs> healing a man I, in a car I, crash on the TV. Come on. I just love the idea that just like I will buy a little plant alien thing that flies around mm-hmm. in a giant Christmas ornament. I'll believe it has a glowy heart. I'll believe it can make <laughs> things float. But I draw the line at a finger healing something. Well, what's funny is when I have these criticisms, quote unquote, <laughs> like I'll, it'll come out of my mouth, and then I'm like, like I picture myself like face to face with Spielberg, being like, I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> Oh my god, you're you're in a test you're in a test audience for ET. <laughs> yeah. You're walking out like Spielberg. Hey Stevie, I want to have a word with you. I love yeah, it. Here, I love your movie. Love notes. everything about it. <laughs> I have here one note. Are my notes. Why does he heal that kid? That kid's gotta learn. He's gotta cut himself. He's gotta bleed out. You gotta bleed in this life, kid. Yeah. I'm just if I ever meet him, I'm just gonna be prepared and walk up and hand him my notes on ET. Just see him on the street, just hand him a pack of note cards. Be like, here you go, Stevie. These are 40 years too late, but here you go. I mean, in case you want to go back and do some more editing, because you clearly like to do that, here are my notes. (laughs) If you're in the mood to actually do it again, don't worry about your stupid gun room with your gun shit. That alien's finger annoys me. It's the healing. But okay, you're gonna think this is stupid as shit then. So in the ride, it presupposes that E.T. is somehow a special version of these aliens and is oh, one of the is the only one who has that little touch thing. And his planet well, this is, makes more sense. I I disagree. I think it makes infinitely less sense. <laughs> I think this is silly. And then you have to go to his planet and his planet is dying. So E.T. has to come and like ouch and like save his planet and like make everything grow again which is giving him infinitely more superpowers than healing people very doctor who that's a good point yeah it is with like the last of his kind and but he's not the last of his kind he's not the last of his kind there's a bunch of other ets there true like that's the thing him on earth being the only one but like i just there's other ets they don't have the magic ouch ability why is why why i don't understand i mean i don't that's so funny how everyone has their own ideas of like what works and what doesn't but to me the fact that he's the only one i'm like okay i buy it now (laughs) i buy his exceptionalism this makes sense i guess because it adds to the magic of it like if you had a planet that was just like full of people who could or aliens that could just like heal things like they would never get sick. They would never die. They could come to Earth and heal everyone. You would just have like a planet full of gods. 
Yes. And they're just, they're choosing not to heal people. Yeah. It makes them a little bit crappy. So like the idea that there's just one gives him more, you know, magic. (laughs) He's less of an asshole if he's the only one who can do this. I feel like we're on the like ET Reddit thread of like (laughs) in-depth fan discussions. I love this. No, I really do. I want to get into the nitty gritty of of ET insecurities. Did you know that Steven Spielberg is also a character in the ET ride? I have not been on that ride since I was in like fourth grade. So, so, so the way the E.T. ride starts is you go into this room and there's like a movie of Spielberg talking to you and telling you about E.T. and telling you, and E.T.'s there with him. Like E.T. and Spielberg exist in this shared universe. Like E.T. was like a documentary and Spielberg just got to film it. And, oh, E.T., yeah. and he tells you this whole thing about like, oh, and I'll, um, and then, you know, you have to go to this planet and save his people, see? And then, then you go off, and somehow Spielberg is involved in this universe. It, it poses a lot of questions. Interesting. It's a lot of weird questions that this film poses. But <laughs> I feel like that's his J.K. Rowling moment of like, oh, okay, y'all really like this. Okay, let me see if I can keep going. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, uh, and uh, the, the, uh, the aliens don't poop. They, uh, they actually, they just, they excrete a mucus and, uh, that is eaten by bugs. They really, the kids love this. And uh, E.T. is a Hufflepuff. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, you're probably I'm a right. Hufflepuff. I know a Hufflepuff when I see one. That's true. I'm a, I'm a Ravenclaw, so naturally I want to put fit, smart people into Ravenclaw, but let's be real. <laughs> E.T.'s too empathetic. I mean, that's the thing about E.T. is that literally his superpower is empathy. Like, um, that's like truly what he's good at. Hufflepuffs are loyal. Well, so E.T.'s also loyal. I would, yeah, I would, there's an energy. I can't describe it, but. You just know. I just know a Hufflepuff. <laughs> like how capricorns can like match each other's energy like just a hufflepuff just knows another hufflepuff mm-hmm. i love it all right man so we haven't talked about what i think is the most crowning achievement of this film which has nothing to do with the script which is john williams music which makes me weep like a child for the last 15 well, minutes of this film my first note was uh that you're a huge john williams fan so i was waiting to hear about your I uh, am thoughts on, on this and honestly the last 15 minutes of this movie is probably the best piece of music john williams ever wrote um apparently when they were trying to cut the music to the movie and figure out what they were, were going to do nothing they were doing was working so spielberg told john williams just like hey just go write something write what you want this to be Mm-hmm. And they wrote the wrote the wrote the that end like big batch basically the entire the flight the landing, ET you know I'll be right here all that stuff, and then he flies away and that's the end of the movie. What's interesting is that in the script there's another scene. After ET flies away, uh, there's a scene of the boys playing D and D, and Elliot is now accepted as a member of that group, um, which is huh. which. Is interesting because the Duffer brothers straight up jacked that 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 uh, book ending device for the first season of Stranger Things, like straight yes, up. That that is how the series begins and ends is with kids playing D anD D and one kid being accepted better in the next time. Um, just kind that of fascinating. Is quite the uh, homage. I'm not surprised, but it is interesting. Uh, but yeah, no. The, John Williams' score in this is like 
it doesn't get as much play as other ones. It's not it's is is iconic, but almost I don't know I don't know why people don't play it more. It's really but it's also it's it's not as bombastic as his other scores. It's weirdly yeah. sweeter and more earnestly it's just more heartfelt. Like really like there's something about like there's also something really about the structure of the script where it's like by the end of the movie everything E.T. says to all the kids means something. Like when he says tells Gertie, he says, um, be good. Like, cause she taught him to say be good. And then when he gets to Elliot, like, it's just like, you know, I'll be right here. And it's just like, it's fucking, Oh God, man. Like it's, it's cause it's also like, it, what's amazing too about it is that like, it's the way that like they have him say it, like it's all like slow and like every moment matters. And it's just like, I don't know. The ending of this movie to me is one of the best movie endings of all time. Between John Williams' score, uh, ending on that shot of Elliot, cutting to black, like it's just, it ends you on this just giant tidal wave of emotion that is just all good and it's all just baked in and there's nothing better than that. I mean, you kind of have to after the previous scenes. You really do. After you just got your heart pulled out because you saw this thing dead on the freaking table. Uh, Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no. you spend a substantial amount of time in that makeshift operating room. You do. There's a fair part of that movie that's just Dr. Especially Shrine. if you add in the part after he's dead or whatever right. in that chest. Like, if you put those Ugh. together, like, that's a good bit of the the movie, honestly. I yeah, mean, no, it's, not it's the, a, whole, the whole thing, but it's a pretty long sequence. So, I mean... It's, it's a fair amount. I would say you would need something, like, really swelling like the yes end. yes which is like it's all movement it's all like we're yeah. going here it's not complicated and like we're busting him out we're getting to this thing like the last like 15 minutes of the movie are just so cin- it's cinema like it's straight up like cinema at its best hitting the ending like right on like without being sappy like yeah, it, I hits, mean, it hits it really right gets the- his uber back home <laughs> E.T. ride share home. <laughs> I mean, for real though, when they were all in the air on the bicycles, like it's true. <laughs> I just true. had this little intrusive thought, like, oh, he got an Uber home. <laughs> you better tip those kids. They got, they got, they got to go to school. Um, all right, Mads. Well, thank you for taking this journey with me. I think we can Anytime. wrap this. I think we can wrap this bad boy up. For page break this week, I am Jeremy, and I am E.T. And... Uh-huh.